Hi, I'm Adam Henson. Welcome to Keeping On Track, a podcast series made by the farming community for the farming community. In this podcast, we'll hear from young farmers Tom and Daniel about their experiences. Thank you, Adam. So you may have heard Daniel Boomer and Tom York speaking in other programmes. Today we're going to hear in more detail about their personal experiences of poor mental health. Both are in their 20s, so young farmers. Both are students at Harper Adams University. And both are now ambassadors for the charity Yellow Wellies, which aims to raise awareness about these issues. Despite Daniel and Tom having been through tough times, they love being farmers. It's the diversity um, of the industry. Um, you know, every day, is a, every day is a different day. Every day has its new challenges. Uh, there's always a problem. It's not farming unless there's a problem every day. It's never, never easy. Um, and I think the fact that you can go out and breathe the fresh air and you can see your cattle grow and you can see from when you've given... Um, help the cow give birth to a calf and you rear it for 18 months and you go through that sort of lifespan with that animal or the animals and you see your finished product um, on the shelf or in the butcher shop you get that pride the environment that you work in i don't think there is any job in the world or saying that there may be a few where you really get to experience the countryside i know a lot of people like that live in cities wish that they had a big field a garden in some cases farming you especially when you know it's summertime there's the um there's a variety of animals out and about in the field um the sunsets and the sunrises you get to experience i think that whole just being one with the countryside is what appeals to a lot of people so let's start with daniel boomer a student at Harper Adams University. I just turned 19 when I um, started my placement in Derbyshire uh, in a place called um, Longcliffe. It's in the Peak District, so it's very, very rural. Um, I think the closest shop was seven mile away, and that's just a little petrol station. The closest town was 12 mile away, so you're, you're fairly distanced out from any sort of social life. And obviously... On that year, it was COVID, so it was very, very different um, for a lot of us. You couldn't really go out and see people. You couldn't go to young farmers' dues. You're really just on your own. And all of the my work colleagues on that dairy farm had their own families. They went back to their own families, um, and I went back to my own flat. And you know, the Wi-Fi was okay, but I couldn't make calls. I had to drive down the road five minutes to make a call back home to my family. And by the time you, you, you make your dinner, you get showered, you're fast asleep because you've been working maybe 14 hours of the day, 12 hours of the day. So it's a very isolated life um, during that year of COVID. And I think a lot of people had um, suffered in the same way as me. And I'm quite a re- reluctant person to actually speak about it. But now with given circumstances over this past couple of years, I feel that we do need to talk about it because it had it had a tremendous mental health effect on me. Being that isolated, being that alone, you thought you couldn't reach out to people. And that's what I felt. I did not reach out to people and it had it affected my work. So I was literally seeing no one. 
Um, I got very friendly with the, a local shopkeeper who was just the local petrol garage down the road because I'd have a little five-minute chat with him every day. But other than that, I've seen absolutely no one. Loneliness and isolation, major causes of stress, anxiety and depression in the farming community. You're lonely, you're isolated, you don't want to do anything um, like general, just routine, like washing, cleaning, um, eating properly. It all sort of just, it all correlates, but it also goes down in a negative spiral. Probably my lowest point in placement where I was um, getting a little bit fed up with the whole uh, situation. I literally got everything, made sure, made sure everything was done on the farm first. Got it. Got walked up the stairs into the flat. Chucked everything off. Um, I had a quick shower and put the TV on and fell asleep. And that was just me. I just got into that habit, and then you're waking up at two, three o'clock in the morning, and your sleeping patterns so out of line that when you wake up, you've maybe had an extra two hours sleep because you went to bed at eight o'clock. That you wake up at two, three, two or three o'clock in the morning, and you're getting up at half five, six o'clock. But you're even more tired. Um, that's what really, if that's how really I noticed it. That I was just literally coming in. Sometimes I didn't have dinner. I just went straight, straight to sleep. Fell on the sofa watching TV. For Daniel, like so many others, the working hours didn't help. Not sleeping properly. Not eating properly. Not happy. It was a friend who helped him get back on track with a healthier routine. One of my friends said that you just they were a bit concerned and they says you're not very you're not looking after yourself. Sure not, Daniel. I says, No, not really. Um and they sort of helped me out and said spoke to me every day and just made sure that I was um doing all right and just they just says, Oh, what are you gonna have for tea? And and that got me thinking. So at that point I'm I've already thinking what I'm gonna have for tea and stuff and they said, Oh, what what movie you watch? So you're you're planning your day ahead before you even reach it. Um, you're, sorry, you're planning your evening ahead during the day before you even reach the evening. So you've got a rough idea. You've got a you've got a plan set out, um, and that's what sort of helped me having a structured evening. And Daniel realised there was another way out of loneliness and isolation. At that point, I said, I want to get out, meet new people. I want to make new friends. So I started playing for Ash Ashbourne Rugby Club. We've made about ten friends from that from that couple of months just training, um, which that boosted. I went to the pub after them, got friendly with them, I still chat to them now. So that sort of get up and go sort of um, mentality of I've had enough um, really helped me. More recently, Daniel Boomer faced another big challenge. So the start of the, this year, we lost a good friend to uh, poor mental health, uh, which ended him taking his own life which was a big shock to our community at Harbour. But that person who suffered from poor mental health was actually helping with my mental health. I always had a smile um, and it just shocked us all when we heard the tragic news. It made me feel angry that I couldn't have reached out and been more um, supportive and that's why I'm here now because I want to make sure that no one else will um, go unnoticed with their suffering and pain. Because the signs aren't always obvious. Some people have a, a very um, strong uh, perception of me as I'm a, 
a six foot seven uh, young farmer who plays rugby um, and everyone thinks that oh he's a big rugby lad he's six foot seven nothing nothing will nothing will knock him down but you know the saying the taller you are the harder you fall and that that's what really matters that you don't have this perception of he's a big lad he he nothing will ever oppose him he's always smiling uh, he's always playing rugby he's always sort of active quite socially that person could be bottling up and you don't know that and that's why it's important that you you do ask your mate send them a text are you all right how are you doing and you don't just sit there and sit back and think oh he's all right that's we don't have these perceptions you never judge a book by its cover you always read into it so daniel campaigns now to raise awareness of poor mental health and part of that is looking out for each other keeping in touch sometimes asking if your friends or colleagues are okay and importantly encouraging people to recognize when something's going wrong and do something about it my message is quite simple and clear we're all human we all need to talk we all face problems we all have poor and bad mental health if you have any signs of bad mental health whether it be financial stress anxiety depression um, if you do have um, suicidal thoughts and any just if you're feeling low it's okay not to be okay and that's the main message that we're all here to help each other there's someone on this planet to listen to you so never feel alone never feel isolated that you're just putting yourself in the bomb shelter and everything's going to go away it won't the only the only way it's going to go away is if you talk you need to talk. It's okay to talk about your bad, your poor mental health. No one's going to judge you on it. Don't feel embarrassed because if the only embarrassing thing is, in my opinion, is that you lock it all up. That's what I used to do, and I am embarrassed to myself that I did lock it up because I could have had better. I could have had a better couple of years feeling better about myself if I spoke, but I bottled it up. I didn't talk about it, and it affected it affected me quite quite massively. That's Daniel Boomer. There's a lot more in this series about when and how to raise the issue and where you can turn for help. Let's turn now to Tom York, also now a student at Harper Adams University, but things first began to unravel for him when he was at college. So I went to Reeve. I completed my first year there, and as part of the course, uh, we were required to go and do a placement year. Um, so I did the placement year, um, and it was it was really it was really difficult. I I was told before I went on it that you would leave the first year at Reeve as a boy and come back as a man, and I very much underestimated that um, because that's exactly what happened. And I was 16 years old. I couldn't drive. Uh, I only had my bike, which was flimsy at the best of times, uh, and I was working on a small farm where it was me, my boss, who was 40 years old, and his dad, who was 70 plus years old. So it was it was a very difficult position for me to be put into. Another story of loneliness and isolation is beginning to unfold. I remember the first day but I got there, um, my dad had to drive me down. It was a three hour drive away. And I think that first drive 
really put into perspective how far away from home you are. As you leave the motorway, you're driving through fields after fields and you look at the sat-nav and you think, gosh, I'm still 20 minutes away and it already feels as though I'm a million miles away from, from any civilization. I get to the caravan and although it's a, it's a static caravan, so it, it is fit to, to house a family of three, a family of four, I was the only one in there. I walk up and, and there was a few issues to begin with. So I was told that I wouldn't have any central heating for the for the 14 months that I was there, um, as it was it was unfortunately too expensive to fix. At the at the time I moved down there in July and I thought central heating, God, I'm not I'm not gonna be needing that. It's 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 30 degrees outside. For Tom York, it's quite exciting to start with. It's definitely a, a great experience for the for the first few weeks. You know, you're away from your parents. You haven't got them nagging at you, asking you to put your clothes away. You're cooking what you want. I, although I was very healthy, if you wanted to sort of, we went and did a food shop before we went. And I said to dad, I was like, gosh, I'm in a position where I can literally buy whatever I want. You're not waiting to see what was going to be cooked for dinner. You You made that choice. And for the first few weeks, it was it was great. I loved it. And then as summer starts to end, I did very long hours. I think the longest, um, w the first week I worked there, I did an 85 hour week. Uh, for some farmers, that could be not even that long. But for me, who had never experienced anything like that, it was like, wow, OK, this is what it's going to be like. But you receive that first paycheck and all of a sudden that sort of clouds over the fact that you've just done all those hours because brilliant i'm 16 i've just earned 400 pound for the week of work and I, and I get to spend it on whatever so it was great and then as time goes on you start to realize okay i am alone here i can't drive the nearest shop was a 40 minute bike ride away even so, if you wanted to go and do that, you could only fit, you could only buy as much stuff as you could fit in your bag. I remember there was one time where I got halfway home and my chain fell off my bike. And unfortunately, the area that I was in didn't get very good service. So I couldn't call my boss to come and pick me up. And it took me two hours to walk home. And I think that really set the scene for for what was going to be a really tough well at that point i was two months in so i still had another 12 months left another year of this summer finishes and i had no wi-fi you start to realize wow you know it's it's getting cold now and i used to sit out here until nine o'clock but it's dark at five o'clock now so you're in the caravan You've got almost no communication with the outside world. All there is is your own thoughts and maybe three channels that you could access through the TV. Um, the days were getting shorter, so the work days were getting shorter. And it wasn't until uh, December that I could drive. So I, I went from July to December cycling everywhere relying on my dad to come and pick me up at weekends if I wanted to go home. But even so for him, it was three hours down, three hours back on a Friday night. And then Sunday it was three hours down, 
three hours back. So I felt sorry for him having to do that. And although he was very supportive of it, you still think, gosh, like that's 12 hours of driving in one weekend just for me to come home. 16, 17 years old, if you haven't been given the right training on how to deal with mental health, how to deal with depression, which I hadn't, then you start to fall into this really deep, dark hole of, well, I've never experienced anything like this before. I don't know how to deal with it. And I remember I, I had a phone call with my dad. Uh, it was February and I was in tears and I was literally almost saying to him, like, what what, what do I do? Because I felt as though there was, there was no hope, there was no end. Uh, and he was obviously very worried but very supportive at the same time. And he did say to me that it's okay, you know, stick it out. And I can guarantee at the end of this, you'll look back and think, do you know what? Nothing lasts forever. And I think that that's what kept me going through it. Those words from him. But I was, I was thankful enough and lucky enough that I had someone like my dad, like my family, to offer me that, that advice. A lot of people don't have that. And the same as Daniel Boomer, it was a friend who encouraged him to start changing things. Definitely, it's it's difficult. It is very difficult to take that leap. Um, I held it off and I held it off until literally it was one of my friends that said, I, I, I rang my friend and I was having a phone call with him um, just to see how he was getting on because he was on placement as well. And he said, oh, when, when was the last time you phoned your dad? And I was like, Bloody hell, not for not for two weeks. I messaged him every day. And he was like, Well well, don't you think it's worth don't you think it's worth giving your dad a call and, and just saying how you feel? And I thought, oh God, no, like I suppose yeah, in a way I was embarrassed because I didn't want him to know I was struggling. Uh, I didn't want anyone to know I was struggling. I wanted to be the person that helped myself. I actually let it get on a week. And I remember there there were plenty of nights where I'd lie in bed and and I'd almost want to make the phone call, but just, I suppose, as, as the stigma is, it almost, it always pushed me away from making that phone call. And uh, it was one night and I just was in tears. I was so depressed. I was so, just all these emotions came over me. And I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna have to phone him because I didn't feel great and it was probably one of the lowest points in my life that I've ever been at. I rang him and he was so shocked and surprised to hear the things that I had I had to say. He had no idea that what was going on because I never wanted him to know and I did a very good job of keeping it quiet and I don't think he ever did realise until I left the farm how much it had affected me. But that was because I had kept it so quiet and I had just not told him. And I suppose in a way, yes, I, I did feel embarrassed. I almost felt as though my dad was, was the only option to go and speak to because, you know, he's, he's my role model. He's someone who's brought me up um, through losing my mum. He, he was the person that, that, that did all the jobs. So to speak to him and to have him was was invaluable it was it was the biggest support and help and I've made that known to him plenty of times but I don't think he'll ever quite understand how much help he was fortunately I had that friend to do that 
um, and I had that friend to sort of force me to talk, but a lot of people would never have that. And I think because of that, that was literally, as my friend seen me deteriorate, he started to recognise, okay, maybe Tom's not doing so well here. Maybe he does need someone to speak to. And he offered that support, which I, you know, him and my dad, probably the two people, uh, they're the reason why I'm here today, I think. So Tom York is now an ambassador for Yellow Wellies, encouraging people in the farming community to be open if they're struggling, not to bottle it up, to seek help. And there is plenty available, as we discuss in other programmes. I would encourage people to talk. Please, please, please talk, because if I knew that there was going to be that support for me I would have done it so much so much earlier I think it can be really hard for people to recognize that there's a problem and that's where I would say ask your friend how they're doing if someone's listened to this now and you know they're worried about someone just send them a message give them a phone call because I can guarantee to that person they may not be struggling but if they are then that could be the difference between them falling into a really dark place and them talking to someone. Look out for your friends. As a friend, I think it, it may the signs may not always be there. Nobody's going to go around and say, have a sign above their head going, I'm struggling with my mental health. That's where you need to take it upon yourself to ask the questions, spark that chat that maybe wouldn't happen if you didn't. Maybe 10 years ago, your dad would have said, oh, well, it's okay, don't worry about it, just get on with it, you, you know, you've got a field to go and plough, it's fine. And I think a lot of people still have that message like buried deep inside of them. So when these problems do start to arise, it's they're, they're almost forced to just block it away, shut the door and, and throw the key away. What me, and so many other people are trying to do is when that problem does come up, let them know it is okay to talk. There is a support there, whether that's your friends, family, institutions and organisations such as Yellow Wellies, Yana, the FCN. They're all there to give support. If you are struggling with it, don't ever feel as though there isn't any support there. You can ring someone up, ring your friends, your family. I can almost guarantee to you they will not judge you for talking up. They will praise you for accepting there is a problem. It's the same with these charities that have been set up. They have helplines there to give out help. They're not there to judge you. They're not there to ask to tell you that, oh, your problem isn't as big as somebody else's. They're there to offer you help. That was Tom York, and earlier we heard from Daniel Boomer. Both have had issues with mental health. Both have benefited from talking about it and getting help. That's all for now. Join me again next time and stay well. Here's Adam. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping on Track. I hope you found some things in it which were helpful for you or someone you know. If you've been affected by anything you've heard in this podcast, you can find more information about organisations which can provide help and support by going to teamdoctor.org forward slash farmers. Next time we'll look at loneliness and isolation within the farming sector and how to reduce its impact. Until then, keep on track. <laughs>